It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, isn't having healthy players awesome? We're going to dig into the Raptors' 188 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. It featured Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes returning, and OG Ananobi eviscerating everything Donovan Mitchell tried to do on offense for the Cavs. We'll get to all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1291 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I have been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on all sorts of different platforms. Go check out my work. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And you can always go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button to help support the show. That way, it's very easy. It's just right there, screaming in the face. Subscribe. You hit it, and you have done a great job to help support the show, and I appreciate you very much for doing that. Speaking of supporting the show, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's get to it on today's show. We are digging into the Raptors' 188 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers on Monday night in Toronto to move to 11 and 9 on the season. The Cavs fall to 13 and 8 as the Eastern Conference at the top is going to be very close all season long. By the way, big uh, tiebreaker ramifications as well if that does come into play down the line. Now, two wins for the Raptors against the Cavaliers, both at home so far this year. Two games left to play, so they got at least a split, which is awesome. Uh, we're going to dig into Pascal Siakam's return. We're going to talk about Scotty Barnes as well. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm. And the first part of the show was supposed to be about Pascal. I really thought I'm going to come in. Siakam's going to get the first block of the show. We're going to dig into all of the wonderful things he brought to the floor in his return. And we will do that. But as this game progressed, it became very clear to me that the biggest story, the biggest takeaway from this game is what OG Ananobi did to completely snuff out the Cleveland Cavaliers offense in this one. The Cavaliers had themselves a rough one. They were 37%, uh, 38% from the field, 18% from three on uh, seven of 38 from, from deep, and they got turned over by the Raptors. Uh, just nine times. Sorry, I read that wrong. I thought it was 18. That's personal fouls. That's just me reading box scores wrong. That's not interesting. Let's continue on. Uh, either way, the point still stands. The Cavaliers had themselves a really difficult offensive night, and OGN Anobi was 
everywhere to cause that to happen. Look, this was a team effort once again. We'll get into why the return of Siakam, I think, really kind of makes this whole defensive operation work. We'll get into some of the thoughts on the guys who filled in the starting five and made surprise starts in the way they performed defensively. But when you talk about defense on the Raptors, OG is the place that you have to start. And this was just a masterclass in taking a dude out of the game you know, he kind of did it against Luka Doncic on the weekend. You know, Doncic, because he's Doncic, was still pretty effective, had himself 24 points on efficient shooting. But obviously, OG face guarding him, and Doncic talked about this after the game. Like, that really kind of took Doncic out of the conversation for the game. And it was kind of on everybody else to go and figure out how to score on the Raptors. And that was kind of the case here for the Cavaliers. And things were difficult for the Cavs. They didn't have Kevin Love, who's been great for them as a reserve and, you know, old wisdom offering fellow. Of course, you've got, uh, you know, Jared Allen, too, who is fantastic. And he wasn't in this game either. So you miss those two guys. Your offense is obviously going to suffer for it. It's going to make you have to ask Isaac Okoro to take 11 threes in a game, which is not a thing Isaac Okoro should really ever be doing uh it's gonna ask you to see you know evan mobley test the waters for four threes even though he's shooting horribly from deep this season he goes over four you get one of eight from jetty osmond off the bench he's a very good three-point shooter that's kind of a weird anomaly for sure and overall it was kind of a weird outlier night but again og like he caused a lot of the outlier causing things right like he was just so smothering and with donovan mitchell i, I mean just sticking him on Mitchell, he kind of mirrors him throughout the floor. It, it makes it so anytime Mitchell tries to get something going on a possession, he's got to, you know, kind of bail out late because OG has just kind of defended his ass off for too long and you're getting down on the clock. You got to make something happen. This happened in the fourth quarter, actually. The kind of play that stood out to me is OG's guarding Mitchell for 20 seconds of a possession, doing it very well. He's so good at just like staying in front of a dude not over committing he kind of moves at like a half beat behind what the offensive player is doing and that still gives him plenty of time to stay in front of the guy but also makes it so he's not making jumps or moves in the opposite way of where the defender or the offensive player is actually going and so he's able to mirror them so well and he just does this thing where he seems to kind of like mimic the movements of, of whoever he's guarding, right? He did this against Doncic over the weekend. He did this against Mitchell and Garland in certain spots in this game as well. And Mitchell was in hell in this game. Donovan Mitchell goes 3 of 11, 1 of 5 from 3-point range. Uh, he has 8 points. He has 2 assists. He's got a rebound. It was a really bad Donovan Mitchell game. And again, OG was a really, really big part of that. He was fantastic. That play that I kind of started talking about before I went on a tangent about how good OG is at playing defense. Um, he guards Mitchell for like 20 seconds. Mitchell has to kick to the corner. And I, I think it might have been Dean Wade or Jetty Osman. I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, drives in and OG realizing it's late in the clock. I don't know. I got to worry about Mitchell no more. He just goes up, gets the help block. And then he ends up hitting a three right at the other end. Like There were stretches in this third and fourth quarter in the second half of this game where OG was messing things up for the Cavs seemingly every single time down the floor. He was getting his hand in for knockaways. He was obviously smothering Mitchell. He was offering help at the rim. He was incredible. And the 
OG Ananobi defensive player of the year conversation like that seems to be gaining a little bit of steam here you're seeing it kind of mentioned you know smart people who cover the league have been talking about OG's defense all season long I'm sure the broadcast will be incessant in their promotion of OG Ananobi for DPOI as the season progresses um, but really just how can you argue with it he's just incredible and was so impactful even you know, small little things. There was a play in the fourth quarter where uh, this was kind of almost even garbage time, but like Karis Levert is, he's got OG on him. He's trying to go for, go up for a three and OG just kind of like disrupts the shot enough, kind of gets a hand on it and allows another guy to come in to kind of contest it as he's blowing by. And it's like, he just causes that disturbance and it kind of makes Levert have to rush his shot. It's, he's just everywhere. It's insane. It's, so fun to watch OG and Obi play defense. Just do yourself a favor when you're watching the Raptors. Take five, six minutes and just do nothing but watch OG play defense. And you will learn about how NBA defense is played at the highest level. And it's really, really thrilling to behold. He is the star of this game. He was fantastic. And on offense, oh, ho-hum, he just goes off for 20 points to lead the team on 8 of 13 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. We talked all along about how the threes were going to get a lot easier for him once the Raptors started to get some guys back. And boy, did that ever happen. He had hit a couple of wide open trailer threes in this game. He had a couple corner threes. Like he, he just was getting those super easy, wide open, in the flow of the offense looks that he wasn't getting when he had to be the guy to create half of the stuff the Raptors were trying to create while Siakam was out. Um, just outstanding stuff, man. OG rules, and, and he's just been a delight to kind of see come into his own. And, you know, the offense in this one, a lot of it very opportunistic. He had a crazy dunk on a beautiful transition play. Fred outlet to Siakam. Siakam dump it off to OG very quickly on like a touch pass in the air. Beautiful Harlem Globetrotter stuff. And then OG goes and dunks it down. Lots of that stuff, you know, sealing out under the basket, finishing underneath. But then the odd little flourishes here of self-creation. You know, hit a pull-up J over uh, Evan Mobley. Hit another one on the other side of the floor in the second half as well. And, you know, if you get those little pops of creation, you don't need OG to be doing that every single time down the floor. The Raptors, with Siakam, with Barnes, with Van Vliet, have plenty of creation to go around. But if you get those odd little sections where OG can kind of get a few touches in a row, that gets him his looks, get, that, get, that gets him his points, and then you know he's going to be an absolute marauding terror on the other end of the floor. Um, one of the better OG games you'll ever see in this one, a plus 16 as well that totally checks out, um, you know, 21, two assists, a steal, a block, uh, just, man, uh, he's really, really good. He should be on the all-defense team, no doubt. All-star, maybe a little bit ambitious just because it's a very loaded conference with lots of very good players, and that's just the way it is. But, man, oh, man, o OG was the reason the Raptors were so dominant in this game, and that is with, also, Pascal Siakam returning, and he was pretty awesome, too, and we're going to talk about that in just one second here on the other side. Before we do that, however, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Sweatblock, who are a really great company that I use because... I need to because I'm a sweaty guy and that's just part of the deal. Some people are very sweaty. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just the way your body works. You can't do anything about it, but there is a very annoying part of it in that I don't like changing my shirts all the time. It's highly, I don't like doing laundry. I have to do laundry way more than a regularly non-sweaty person has to do because I go through like three shirts a day on a good day. 
Sweatblock is here to help that though. Sweatblock has these fantastic wipes that you apply that before you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, and you get seven days of protection against that excessive sweating. If you or someone you love is experiencing excessive or embarrassing sweat or odor, go and try Sweatblock. Save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. They are also available on Amazon, and I highly recommend you go and check them out. Sweatblock.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, uh, which is here to save you money on subscriptions you don't want to be paying for. Do you really know how much your subscriptions are really costing you? Most Americans think they spend around 80 bucks a month on subscriptions when the actual is total is closer to 200 bucks plus. That's right. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even use or think about or know about and they are at Rocket Money are here to help you cancel those. It's a wonderful app that helps you find the subscriptions you no longer no longer want to pay for and get them out of there. Who needs it? Don't spend money you don't want to be spending or don't need to be spending. It is a great way to save yourself some scratch. Cancel cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on seriously it could save you hundreds per year that's rocketmoney.com slash locked on all right let's get into it now the return of one pascal siakam the little uh the story of this game that was uh i guess over over sean over sean overshadowed that's the word i'm looking for i do a podcast where i speak english for a living it's a good thing uh <laughs> pascal returns in this game uh a bit of a surprise i didn't know if we would see him quite as early in the week as we did it's great that it happened he was a game time call gets the start was under a minutes restriction and played 30 minutes which uh, i think is more than i expected he didn't have to play a ton late in this game as they kind of went to garbage time in the in the closing few minutes um but it was really nice to see that he could play those 30 minutes and didn't look like he was at all but laboring or anything like that his touch on his shot kind of fell off as the game went on but he also settled into the playmaking thing, which he typically does. Uh, had 18 or eight, 17 of his 18 points in the first half. And, you know, we've seen this movie before with Pascal, right? He takes the first half, he completely cooks a team, and then the team realizes, oh, we should stop letting him cook us. And then he starts distributing, and all of a sudden the Raptors look like this beautiful, unstoppable basketball monster. And that is kind of what happened in this one as the Raptors really took off in the second half. Second quarter, too, was quite good. They were really good in this game. They looked great. Um, Pascal, 7-14, he goes 1-3 from deep, 3-4 from the line, 18 points, 11 boards, 5 assists, and a plus 5. Um, you know, he comes in the first minute, 2 of the game, he, he gets a couple of buckets, a, a spinning off-balance floater that goes in, and then he kind of sizes up a dude and does his typical spin in the paint and score over a guy thing, and, you know, he's pretty good at that. That's kind of how he's made his bones his entire career. Um, and then, you know, he just starts busting out ridiculous jumper after ridiculous jumper seemingly upping the difficulty with each single one um you know stepping into jumper shaking defenders with like on a dime stops and pulling up seemed like he had a lot of arc to his shot today that was cool to see he had a beautiful catch and shoot three in the corner at the end of the clock on an inbound play somehow got it to go down just a really charmed effort from pascal siakam in this one and you know the thing you love with Pascal is the joy he brings. This team, as much as it's been fine at treading water the last couple of weeks, it hasn't been a terribly joyful experience. It's been very grimy. It's been very laborious for the Raptors to get anything done. They've had to win these games by the skin of their teeth most of the time. 
And, you know, that kind of grates on you. But the Raptors looked free and easy in this one. And, I mean, look, it's not so simple just to say Siakam comes back, so they shoot 43% from three. But it's also not a coincidence. It's also not super easy to just say, oh, Siakam came back, so the defense looked as good and as in tune as it has in weeks. You know, that obviously, you know, they've OG's a big part of that. I mean, they were pretty good against the Mavs on Sunday. That's maybe a little bit more of a coincidence, but also maybe not, because Pascal, we know, is an incredibly important part of what the Raptors do in the in half-court defense, in, in transition defense, and all of it. He's, he's incredible. He's the guy who cleans up the messes. He's the guy who makes vision six foot nine in a lot of ways possible because of his length, his ground coverage, his contests, his closeouts his help at the rim, it's all right there. It's also not so simple to just say, well, Siakam came back, so the transition offense looked as devastating as it ever has. That one might actually be as simple as Siakam coming back. He's really good at transition offense, and the way the Raptors run when he's out there, it's so much more controlled. He just has such a great awareness. When he gets a ball, he can run and go. He kind of knows where everyone's going to be in a way nobody else does. He kind of maps the floor out so effectively, and it's also kind of infectious, right? He is in there. The defense starts turning the guys over, the other team over. Everyone starts eating and running off of that, and it just, it really kind of makes this buzzsaw effect that the Raptors become. We talk about this all the time on the show, the positive feedback loop of the Toronto Raptors. Once they get their transition going off of their defense and steals, their offense becomes unstoppable, and they become really difficult to break down on the other end, and they just kind of go on these runs where they look totally unstoppable. And it's not like the Raptors, like, poured in transition points in some crazy way in this game where they completely blew the the Cavs off the floor on the run. Um, you know, the Cavs actually, their best moments in this game came on the run, so they, they deserve some credit for the way they scored in transition as well. But you saw the Raptors playing with that sort of sprightly joy and fervor that we typically associate with Pascal Siakam and all the things that he does when he's on the floor you know, the, the forcing of turnovers, the, the the way he orchestrates the offense, the ease of the looks that guys were getting off of him. I mean, Juanjo Hernan Gomez has never been so open in his life as he was on the three he had early in the second half in this game where, you know, Pascal draws the attention, kicks it out, and Juancho's just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll put this up because there's no one around me. Like, it, it's just, he's really good at basketball, is Pascal Siakam. And the Raptors, it's been a struggle. It's been a slog. We talked about on yesterday's show the like the real depths the offense has fallen to since Siakam went out. They, you know, they showed on the broadcast the Raptors fourth in net rating with Pascal Siakam in the first nine games of the season, 26th in net rating without him. It might just be as simple as saying you put Pascal Siakam back on the Raptors, and the Raptors go from being this sort of scrappy team that kind of overcomes a lack of talent and shot making with its grimy stuff on the margins to be sort of effective and win some games that maybe they shouldn't. They lose a lot of games too. You put Pascal in and, oh, they're just a really good basketball team. They're a well-oiled machine. It might just be that simple. He might just be that good. And it's really great to, to see him back. And, you know, the, the way this team goes, the way this team tends to kind of coalesce and when they get their guys in the lineup and they've played together, they, you know, they, they tend to kind of get this sort of unity that goes on and they kind of string together these runs of really excellent play. 
we haven't seen one of those runs all season because they haven't had their guys. I really feel like at some point here in the next month or two, we are going to see this team go on a run where they win 9, 10, 11 in a row. I think they're that good, and I think they're that difficult to play on random regular season nights that it's going to be a difficult thing for, for teams to stop. And, man, they looked to me... Yes, the Cavs are missing Jared Allen. Yes, they're missing Kevin Love. They're not their whole selves. But I thought early on in the season that something pretty special could be going on here with the Raptors before Pascal got hurt. I think I wrote a blog post the day Pascal got hurt that I thought this team kind of had maybe some sneaky, you know, fringe contendery upside and something pretty special was underway. And you put Pascal back in and, oh, yeah, it all snaps back. Yep, this team looks awesome. And... The effect of having guys like Juancho Hernan Gomez, who we're going to talk about in a sec a little bit, um, you know, get the run while Siakam was out. You get Thad Young reintegrating himself into the team and looking just so comfortable and just a real, like, essential cog in what they do. All of this stuff, OG leveling up, this all is stuff that took place while Pascal was out. We talked about it on the podcast, the silver linings that could come from a prolonged Siakam absence and... We're starting to see the fruit of those immediately with Siakam back on the floor. It was wild. This team looked like it had depth and real players up and down the roster. It was unbelievable. They played 10 guys in the first quarter plus. Um, Eight guys played heavy minutes in this one. No one other than OG really logged heavy minutes, just 37 minutes overall. Um, Just... uh, Man, really exciting to see the team back kind of as it's intended. Obviously, still guys to get back into the lineup as well. No Precious Achua, no uh, Otto Porter Jr. And you get those guys back in, and you're looking at a team that is very clearly at least 10 deep. Plus, you get Christian Coloco. Plus, you get the odd flourishes of Kem Birch. Um, man, it's a, it's a team. I'll say that. It's a team. And Pascal Siakam is a big reason for that. He was really fun to see him back on the floor. And... Uh, I can only imagine he'll kind of settle in a little bit more. But if he settles in more and continues with this ridiculous mid-range shot making, like, the league's in trouble, man. He's really, really good. Uh, We're going to continue on here. Get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the Raptors win over the Cavaliers in just one second to round out the show. Before we do that, however... I have to tell you about Prize Picks, which has made daily fantasy sports easy, fun, accessible. The whole nine yards, it's great. You got to check them out. I like to play Prize Picks uh, because it, it kind of gives you choice. It gives you the option to pick around and say, oh, I want to pick a player from that team and that team and that team. You don't have to be stuck with one team being the sort of uh, bellwether of your daily fantasy evening. You can make an entry with up to five different players. If they go on to score more or less than their prize picks projection based on what you've guessed them to do, you can earn up to 10 times your money on any entry. It's that simple. There's no competing against other people. It's just you against the projections. No shadow experts in the background putting together teams you have no chance of beating. You got to check them out. They also have every sport under the sun covered. Men's, women's, professional amateur european far east european wherever it is it's uh it's all over the place you got all the sports available for you you got disc golf right disc golf why not go get some dfs picks in for disc golf and uh that is uh very fun uh safe and fast withdrawals also and they are currently operational in 30 states and canada in every province except for ontario at the moment but keep 
your eyes peeled. It might change because it has changed since we even started having prize picks on the show a couple years ago. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with a promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. Of course, if you deposit 100 bucks, prize picks will match that. Poof, 100 bucks into your account. What a wonderful deal that is. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we've reached the point of the show where I hand out the good, the bad, and the hmm. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little bit intrigued as we head into the, uh, or as we come off of a Toronto Raptors game, in this case, a win over the Cavaliers. Um, My good in this one Scotty Barnes also returning. He came off the bench. We'll talk about the interesting starting lineup choice for Nick Nurse in this one and the sort of very clear rationalization for it, but also maybe some interesting things that could come of it. We'll get to that shortly, but... Scotty will be back in the starting five at some point, you would assume. He came into this game 27 minutes, uh, working with that knee. Still seems to be a little hobbled by the knee, honestly. Didn't look like he's 100% confident in it at all times. Limped around a little bit. Hopefully they can be pretty careful with managing that. You don't want to see them rush a guy back, especially now they have all these players available. Maybe there's a little bit more leeway to rest of Scotty Barnes. But if he's playing, I'm assuming the medical staff says it's because it's safe to play. That's what they're paid for. It's not what I'm paid for, so I'll take it. Uh, Scotty goes for 11 points, four boards, five assists, a steal, and three blocks in this one as well, plus 12 overall. The highlight of this game probably for Scotty was a big block that he had. Um, I want to say, I'm trying to remember now. I, I have it in my notes here, and I'm going to try to find it on with a little control F. Uh, found it. Yeah, third quarter, Scotty Barnes, massive block. Kind of looked like he was almost like a little bit out of sorts and kind of lost in the possession and then realized, oh, shot's going up, goes up, blocks it, and then recovers it, picks it up, goes down, kind of drives into the teeth of the defense, sets a little butt screen, kicks it out to OG for one of those trailer threes we talked about off the top. Um, That was probably the highlight for me of Scotty's game. But the three blocks, that kind of speaks to the rim protection, which I think has been the one sort of saving grace of Scotty's defensive season. Um, You know, the perimeter stuff has been come and go, a lot of go, um, maybe tied to the ankle and knee stuff. We don't really know how serious it's all been as we've gone through the years so far, but uh, the perimeter defense has not been great. The at-rim sort of help defense or just kind of being there as the, you know, nominal rim protector, it's been pretty good, and we saw three blocks in this one. Nice from Scotty there. The playmaking, obviously, you know, he, he's still going to make things happen. He bailed out the Raptors in a late shot, uh, late shot clock situation as well, sizing up Dean Wade and scoring over him. Um, you know, again, the knee, something to watch for sure. If he can sort of have the burst that you want to see from a guy who likes to create, have the ball in his hands, we'll see there. But, you know, I think for the most part, pretty good stuff from Scotty Barnes in this one. Not a whole lot to be upset about. He had a catch and shoot three, was bombing him away. Um, you know, one of four, not what you want to see. The three-point shooting from the first couple weeks of the season seems to have been something of an anomaly, but 
Lots to like from Scotty Barnes in this one as well. So I wanted to shout him out. Not the same high-profile return as Siakam, having just missed a couple of games, but uh, really good to see him back on the floor nonetheless. The bad in this one is not a bad at all, actually. It's just a thing I wish I could see more. The bad for me is the fact that you can't simply run 48 minutes of offense that is Thad Young passing to cutters because that's the most fun thing in the whole world for me right now is watching Thad Young find dudes cutting him. More often than not, it's either Chris Boucher or lately Juancho Hernan Gomez, who is just like very clearly playing himself into like a nightly rotation spot, even at full health. Did not see this one coming from Juancho, man. I really did not. I did not think he had the defensive juice, and I still think as like a one-on-one on-ball defender, maybe not exactly the best, but good thing about the Raptors is the way they play defense, they really are about scrambling rotational, you know, positional soundness, being in the spot you got to be. Obviously, you got to guard one-on-one when when situations arise, but they're always going to be ready with help defense. They're always there to help guys out when, you know, they're not the best defenders in the world. And the way Wancho gets in the way of passes, clogs the passing lanes, rebounds like a maniac, like he's a really good rebounder, rebounds in traffic, all of it's there. The three-point shooting now, three of his last five over the last two games, that's a a thing to note for sure. Um, Because if he's like a 36, 37% three-point shooter, the way he's defending... And the way he's rebounding, like, obviously, he's a player who should be playing minutes right now. Um, And maybe even challenges a guy like Otto Porter Jr. for minutes. Challenges a guy, as as I've talked about, like Gary Trent Jr. for his minutes. Uh, Not that I think he's going to take all of GTJ's minutes. GTJ. Hard name to say. That's why I never say it that way. Um, But... You know, he's still going to sort of, uh, I think, cut into those minutes a little bit just by virtue of being a dude who Nick Nurse very clearly can trust to do smart things on the basketball floor. And the way he moves off the ball, he's a Spain-ass player, man. He really is. And him and Thad Young, that connection is really, really magical. Really, really cool to see, and I am a big fan of what Wancho's been doing, and, and I, you know, he's got to be playing, man. There's, there's no doubt. The starts are deserved right now, which is not a thing I thought I'd say when the season began. And lastly, we will go to the bad, and sorry, the hmm, that is. We just went through the bad, which was not a bad at all, because I'm in a good mood. I don't want to get bad and negative on this one. Um, but the hmm is, in fact, that Gary Trent Jr. did not start this game, nor did Scotty Barnes. And the sort of rationalization for it before, the justification Nick Nurse gave was sort of a chemistry thing. Um, You know, you throw all these guys back in the lineup at the same time, you're probably going to be a little bit disjointed. A good mix of guys who have been playing with guys who, like Siakam starting, that's a no-brainer. He fits with everybody, right? Um, You know, so like you want to sort of ease guys in. Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, both have kind of been in and out of the lineup. Maybe you want to just kind of be careful about how you ease guys back in. If Pascal's on a minutes restriction as well, it makes sense that you'd want to sort of balance out Siakam and Barnes' minutes considering the creation burden they both carry. So that made total sense, Scotty in particular. However, I do think maybe it could be a bit of a convenient thing to say when in fact Nick Nurse actually maybe doesn't want to start Gary Trent Jr. Uh, to G- Gary Trent Jr.'s credit, he had himself a pretty good game in this one off the bench. Um, didn't shoot like amazing. He was 2 of 5 from deep, 4 of 9. So 2 of 5, you totally accept that. 4 of 5 from the line as well. Had a steal. Had 7 rebounds though. It was like battling for boards in a way I've never seen Gary Trent do. He had the 14 points. That's well and good. But honestly, it's the, you know, he had a big steal, getting disruptive, obviously, in the way he plays defense 
and the battling for the rebounds. Like, that's the stuff that's going to keep Gary Trent Jr. in Nick Nurse's good books, not the three-point shooting. And if you could replace the three-point shooting with an uptick from OG now that everyone's back, if you can replace it with Wancho bombing threes and Otto Porter once he's back, then Gary Trent Jr.'s skill, which last year was kind of this outlier skill on the roster that nobody else had, that becomes less of an outlier skill that some other guys have, and it's going to make it harder for him to get into the lineup. And I do wonder if maybe this is kind of the beginning of Gary Trent Jr. maybe being moved to more of a reserve role. You know, it's a difficult one. I feel like the front office and Nick Nurse would have to be on at least sort of the same page with Gary Trent Jr. and how he's handled, of course, with the contract situation potentially coming up if he does opt out this offseason. Um, you, you know, it might be something they have to figure out by the deadline. And so I, I would imagine you know, if, the, if the front office thinks Gary Trent Jr. needs to be starting, whether to showcase him for trade or to figure out if this is actually a guy who you want to have on the team long term, um, you know, maybe we could see him, you know, get back into his regular starting job. And maybe I think we probably will, honestly. Like, that, that'll probably happen here. But I do wonder... Nick Nurse, a guy who's called out uh, Gary Trent Jr. lately, a guy who loves dudes who play defense and, and, you know, kind of do that stuff first before the offense ever comes into the conversation. I do kind of wonder if, if maybe we're seeing the beginning of Nick Nurse kind of phasing Gary Trent Jr. into his bench gunner role that we've kind of all hoped for him. I don't know if he has the juice to me to like run the bench. I, I thought maybe that was the case. You go test him out in the, at the start of the season, see him in the preseason. Can he kind of run the offense as a single entity? Can he have just a slight, slight threat of playmaking where he can take a, a screen, work around it, find an open guy, make the simple reads that hasn't really been there for Gary Trent Jr. So far this season, but if you throw him in a bench unit with very good players around him, you're, you're staggering in Siakam and Barnes and guys who can help Gary Trent Jr. succeed, then maybe that's a good way to have Trent kind of carry those second units and um, you know make it so you don't really have a huge drop-off in play. I'm a big believer that closing games is way more important than starting games in terms of like who is actually the good players on the team, who are the guys that Nick Nurse and the coaching staff really trust. Luis Scola started... 82 games for the Raptors one year and a bunch of playoff games. And it was bad. It wasn't really even part of what the Raptors wanted to do. It was like ceremonial minutes to start each half. Um, you know, that's, I think, with Gary Trent Jr. not going to be the case. He's not going to get Louis Skull minutes or anything like that. But I do wonder if maybe we see him kind of, uh, you know, have his role evolve here. He'll close games for sure. That shooting is really important. And when guys are having off nights, he might be the only guy you can really trust to, you know, have the trigger finger ready. But uh, because other guys are doing useful things that, you know, kind of make them potentially higher up in Nick Nurse's depth chart and, and sort of order of, uh, you know, trust and belief, I, I, you know, maybe we do start to see Gary Trent Jr. phase out a little bit here of the starting five. I don't know if we'll see it, but again, this is why we have the hmm segment. It's just something I'm keeping an eye on. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Bit of a weird week this week, by the way. I'm traveling, so there won't be a traditional recap episode for the Thursday game against the Pelicans. We will have episodes with Jamar Hines and Vivek Jacob dropping Wednesday and Friday, so keep an eye out for those. Um, and uh, probably do a weekend episode as like a fill-in as well if, I, if I'm able to do that. If my travel all goes well, there might be a snowstorm where I'm traveling, so we'll see. But either way, uh, tomorrow we will be back, and Vivek Jacob will be with us, and we will be digging into uh, some bigger picture stuff. So looking forward to that. Jamar will be on a, league, a little along a little later in the week. We're going to hand out some post 
post Pascal Siakam absence superlatives. Who is the MVP of the team while Siakam was out? Who's the guy who was the biggest riser, the biggest faller? We'll get into all of that with Jamar later this week as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Wednesday. Go make your second listen of the day now. Locked on Leafs as Mike and Dave over there doing a great job filling in on the buds as they continue their run through the Eastern Conference. And we will uh, leave you there. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 